This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Matt Baker joins us now from the national championship game on his way uh, out of town. And, uh, Matt, I have to say I was entertained. I was also... uh, I guess somewhat pleased that we had a different outcome. I guess I, I sort of expected Alabama to win. You picked Georgia from the beginning of the season to win a national championship, so you must know something about college football. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I'm the blind squirrel parading this nut around because I finally <laughs> got one right. But, look, I, I said it in the beginning. I think I said it the other day. Georgia has recruited at such a high level right, that eventually they – had to break through. You, you don't get, I mean, I think it's 19 five stars on their roster. You know, they, they, they broke Alabama's seven year stretch by land, landing the top recruiting class in 2018. You, you don't do that time after time after time and keep coming up empty. I mean, just, but when you think about what George has been through the last 41 years without winning a title, I think it was like 31 first round picks of, you know, 14,000 something days, a couple, you know, several elite recruiting classes, uh, 16 top 10 finishes. What they were doing was so hard to fathom and so statistically unlikely that they wouldn't come to the top. Eventually they would. Eventually the breaks would go their way. And, and I'll be honest, when Stetson Bennett lost that fumble, that mm. I did not think live was a fumble, and then Bama gets it at the 16 or whatever, the, Scott Ravelace of the, the um, uh, New Orleans Baton Rouge Advocate next to me said, like, that is such a Georgia way to lose a national championship. <laughs> like, mm. yes, it is, Scott. Um, and I thought at that point, all right, th- these guys are doomed. There, there must be a curse or something. But it didn't happen. Eventually, the breaks started their, going their way, and they were able to pull it out. And credit to the dogs for that. Yeah, it was it was an outstanding performance by them, especially in the fourth quarter. I think Saban, um, you know, told Kirby, "You guys kicked our butts in the fourth quarter." Um, I want to go back to the beginning of the game. First of all, the atmosphere there uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium, it, it seemed like there were more Georgia fans than Alabama fans. But, but in red, who knows, right? But what was that atmosphere like for a college football national championship? It was awesome. It's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely 60-40, 70-30 Georgia, something along those lines. And that's kind of what I saw leading up to the game, just you know, around the stadium, in the car, on the interstate, whatever. Um, and it felt like it was supposed to feel like. I mean, the, I was at the one last year, the Bama, Ohio State, and, and Miami, and it was weird. It was. It wasn't the way it's supposed to feel. But yesterday, you know, uh, you know as we record this, Monday night, that title game felt like the way a national title game is supposed to feel, and it's, it's nice, you know, health expert. I didn't make the decision on public health, all that stuff, but if I can just take a step back and, and talk as a guy who does this for a living, it was really nice to have that atmosphere back. Yeah, I think that's that's the pageantry that makes college football. Those fans were into it from the start. Um, you know, when you when you play a team like Georgia had played Alabama in the SEC championship, um, that was not a good performance to say the least. But I think they learned some things 
We'll get into what Alabama didn't have and, and what they lost during the game, obviously, with injuries. Um, but I thought that, you know, obviously the strength of the Bulldogs team is defense. It seemed to me like they decided we're going to come after Bryce Young. Like we are going to attack him. Not that they were a sit-back defense in the last time they played him, but they had an array of stunts and twits and blitzes. And I have to tell you, Bryce Young is one of the toughest kids I've seen. He took some incredible hits in that game. Oh, yeah. And you could see that you're talking about, I mean, literally on the first series in the first play where Georgia does one thing, you know, Bama kind of gets set, then everybody shifts over one and a linebacker yeah. shifts up and a four-man front comes a five-man front. And yeah, mm-hmm. they, they did different things with delayed blitzes and twists and stunts and all that stuff Went in a way that they, I don't think they did it quite like that in the first time. And, and you're absolutely right. Bryce Young took some hits. I mean, the, the bomb he threw to Jamison Williams, he got crushed. Like, mm. I mean, he absolutely got crushed by like three dudes at the mm. same time and still delivered an absolutely perfect pass. Um, yeah, he's going to be yeah, – he is really, really good. And I, I have some breaking news for you. Um, Alabama's going to re- be really good next year with uh, <laughs> Bryce Young and Will Anderson, probably the top two players. I haven't done a whole deep dive on who's coming back or anything. Off the top of my head, best two players in the country are, gonna, are, are wearing crimson this year. So, yeah, Bama's not going anywhere, and, and those guys are only going to get better. Um, but I think the same thing, to some degree, is true with Georgia. I, I think they're going to take a step back next year. I mean, there's only one way to go but, you know, from here, and it's not up. Um, and they're still going to be really good. It's just that this was kind of a – if it was going to happen this year for Georgia, it was going to be this year. With all the guys that return, like Jordan Davis – um, all the talent that they brought in, some things clicking, and, and let's be honest, a little bit of, of, of fortunate breaks for Georgia, um, injury luck and that sort of thing. And I, I'm not saying what Georgia did was fluky. I'm not saying that at all. But to win a championship, you have to have the breaks go your way. Obviously, they didn't you know, for 41 years with Georgia. You, you think about coming up five yards short in the SEC title game in 2012 to Bama, and in the second in 26. Uh, defensive breakdown in Atlanta four years ago in the national title game to Bama, and then all the other close calls along the way. They needed some things to break. Those were things that broke wrong. And Monday night, some of those things broke right for, for Georgia, and that's why they, they you know, the drought is over. Sadly, I remember 1980. I'm old enough to do that. And what really gets me is that it has been 41 years since 1980 um just kills me but uh, if you saw you know Vince Dooley god bless him uh out there uh on the field after the game it was great to see him uh the last course Georgia coach to win a national championship um so that that was pretty neat you mentioned the losses I mean listen um they already were down one dynamic starting wide receiver losing Jamison Williams and in, in the way they did after that play um, I, I heard Saban, you know, tell Kirby Smart after the game they thought or feared that it was a, a torn ACL, which is devastating uh, for him and his future. But um, th- there's no way to quantify. It's no excuses, right? I mean, that's part of football. Um, but that made it that made the job equally uh, just more tough for a guy like Young without his targets there. Oh yeah, no, absolutely no question. Um... Alabama lost, you know, Mechie gone, and then you lose Jameson. Those are two of the better receivers in the SEC. I mean, Jameson was the, arguably the best receiver in the country, top two or three. Yeah. And yeah. it there's a drop-off. It's not an enormous drop-off. I mean, you know, Aji Hall, the a Bloomingdale um, true freshman top 50 recruit, he came yeah. in and had a couple uh, catches of 24 and 28 yards. 
Um, but he also had one or two that he would like to have back. And when you look at a game that, no, yeah, they, the final score ended up being, what, 15? It, it, this was closer than that, right, because the, the late pick six. Yeah. So in yeah. a game that's decided by more or less one possession, one play here or there can make the difference. And I have, you know, if, if Jamison Williams is there, maybe he makes one of those catches that the other guys don't. And maybe that leads for, to a touchdown instead of a field goal, or whatever the case may be. And that's what's made Alabama so impressive over the years. Depth, where, like I said last week, guy nobody knows anything about goes and catches this, you know, touchdown pass on second and twenty-six, and ends up being Devontae freaking Smith. And they still have dues. It's just that at this point, Georgia's got a lot of them too, and Georgia amassed the talent to compete with them and go toe to toe with them, and not just go toe to toe to beat them in the fourth quarter, which is not something that happens very often to a Nick Saban team. And then to win a national championship with a quarterback who isn't a Joe Burrow or Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. And to me, that's one of the other things that speaks to what Kirby built is the absolute top-to-bottom depth where you don't need a transcendent quarterback to win it all. You can you can do it with Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I want to get into Stetson Bennett uh, even more uh, just in a second, but I, I did want to – you know, the fourth quarter obviously is what Georgia won uh, in order to win the game. But I thought that I thought the play in the third quarter, the 67-yard the run, the longest of the year by James Cook, I thought that really turned the game around. Oh, no question. And, and Jalen Carter had the blocked field goal before that. If, you're, mm-hmm. if you want to zoom in, I've, I've got a story that will be out on TampaBay.com and in, in Wednesday's Tampa Bay Times kind of about this. I, I looked at it through the Florida prism. And I'll get to the cook in just a second. But looking at this game, it is proof that the Saban way works outside of Nick Saban. No no one questions what Saban's done. You know, he's the greatest of all time. But I do think it was fair to question how well the Saban process can work anywhere else. I mean, Florida was 0 for 2 with Saban guys, right, with McElwain and Muschamp. Jimbo worked at Florida State until he didn't. There's been other guys along the way, Derek Dooley, what have you, playing Kiffin up and down. It was fair to wonder whether a team built like Bama can out-Bama-Bama. Bama. And it happened. In Monday in Indianapolis, I saw it with my own eyes. And one reason they, the reason they were able to do it is because they got a bunch of dudes. And where were they getting a bunch of those dudes? Well, the, what for a while was kind of the defining, game-changing sequence Monday night. Jalen Carter blocks the field goal. Jalen Carter, a five-star from... Apopka, Florida, two hours from Gainesville. Very next play, James Cook rips off that 65 or 67-yard rush to kind of spark the offense. James Cook is a top 50 national recruit from Miami and the younger wow. brother of some Dalvin guy that some of you mm. might be familiar with. Yep. Those were two big-time plays by big-time players. That everybody knew it was going to be really good, and the big three let him get away. And I, I mean, I've talked about it before, and I'll talk about it till I'm blue in the face because that's the story. Georgia has those dudes. Bama has those dudes. Florida, Florida State, Miami don't have enough of them. But this was proof in my eyes that what the Saban way can work anywhere else, or not anywhere else, other places, as long as you can get the dudes and the infrastructure and facilities and everything else. And Florida and Miami have already gotten some recruiting wins. You know, uh, Miami got a top 100 tight end flip from, from IMG to flip from Bama to Miami. Florida got the five-star safety at IMG to um, – to, to choose Florida over the Georgia, that tells me that there are some signs that these guys can recruit at the level necessary to win it all. I'm not saying 
national title or bust for, for the Canes or Gators under Napier and Cristobal. But I'm saying Monday night is, val- is further validation that it can happen. It can happen, but it may take a, little, a, f- a few more years, I would guess, right? I mean, this is not... Oh, yeah. Um, the, 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 neither one is a... Sorry to interrupt. Neither one is a turnkey operation. Miami is going to be... They got Tyler yeah. Van Dyke, who's a really good quarterback. You got a good yeah. quarterback, that's a great start. So, yeah, they're... they're They'll, Miami will probably start the season ranked, um, but I don't. It's gonna. They don't have the dudes yet across the board to get up there. And, and Florida is Florida is a step or two behind. I mean, they, we we watched the Rose Bowl that that you know thrilling game against Ohio State. Uh, Utah returns just about everybody from that, and Utah opens against the Gators. So I, I'm not penciling in the L or anything like that. It's, it's way too early. But I'm saying it's not going to be. So, uh, you know, Kirby got Georgia the title game and, and almost won it in year two. I don't, I don't know that that's feasible for, for, for Florida or Miami. I do think Miami's got a chance to be good sooner rather than later. But Florida's going to be a, a slower climb where, you know, maybe a bowl game next year, maybe better than that in year two, and then year three it'll take off or not. And unfortunately, or fortunately for them, I mean they they're they're not in Alabama's bracket of the SEC, but boy, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to slay the dragon now with Georgia. I mean to get to get back to the SEC championship. I I also think that um, because these teams weren't that different in terms of talent, I I don't believe you know trying to beat a Georgia twice in the same year was a big mountain to climb. We talked about the injuries, obviously, but. It was going to be really hard. I mean, I know Nick Saban spent a lot of time talking about how this, you know, this team is to be celebrated. They won the SEC, which is the best conference in college football. They simply had to play the same team again um, a month later. So, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised that you know they weren't able to do it twice in the same year. Correct, and also, this is a a very good Alabama team. This is not. 2011 Alabama, right? right? right, it's, right. It's, it's not that they had a lot of really good players. They were clearly a top five team just about all season long or all season long. Clearly yeah. deserve to finish number two. But it, it's not going to go down as one of the all-time great Bama teams where, where we look back in 10 years and say, man, how did those guys not win at all? I mean, mm-hmm. look, this was realistically going to be a slight hiccup of a year at Bama where, yeah. where you lose Mac Jones yeah. and Najee Harris and Devontae yeah. Smith. And uh, yeah. Lincoln Dickerson and was Alex Leatherwood. I mean, you lose dude after dude after dude. At some point, there's going to be a little bit of a drop off, like it was when when Jamison Williams got knocked out. And that's yeah. the difference between winning and, and and losing at this level, where the margins are so so small. And and Georgia's you know probably as talented, if not more talented. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. All right, let's get to Stetson Bennett because I thought it was fascinating. You know, his story is going to inspire a lot of people. Um, watching him losing on the sidelines, I, I, I don't know how you couldn't get a tear in your eye 
um, just seeing the emotion and how much his teammates love him. Um, you could see that with the embraces and the congratulations um, that occurred there. I, you know, I, I listened to an interview with him on Good Morning America. He hadn't had much sleep, to say the least. But him talking about believing in yourself, I mean, his story, you know, walking on, going to a junior college, all of that, it's got to be one for the ages in college football because, to your point, it's usually the Blue Bloods have these stud quarterbacks who are going straight to the NFL, you know, so very so often. And and um, and this is a guy that that took the longer the, the path less traveled, but boy, did he earn a lot of respect in this game. And he played, he overcame a, an, an enormous mistake too, uh, Matt. That that would sometimes would put anybody in a jar. With what I agree with you, I don't know that that was a fumble. Um, but he came back and, and, he, and he won the fourth quarter. I was so impressed with Stetson Bennett. Miss, you're right. There was the single. There was that you know potentially catastrophic mistake, but it was mistakes. Uh, I go back to the first series where you know, first yeah. play of the game, uh, he, he's, he's running. And he had nowhere to go and get sacked. He he does a weird dribble where it looks like the ball just slips out of his hand, and yeah. you know fortunately for Georgia, he recovered it, and then and then a delay a game, and then an incomplete pass. And I'm like, okay, this guy is clearly rattled. Um, I don't know if he's going to recover, if, if he's just nervous as heck. Um, and yeah. I, I was watching on the sidelines, and Kirby kind of came over and put his arm around him and said something. So yeah. I, you take that, and then you you think about that, that fumble and, and how disastrous that was. It could have very easily cratered. And, and shoot, Kirby Smart could have said, all right, this ain't working. I love you, buddy, but no, we're putting in the five-star. We're putting in JT Daniels. And I, at one point, I saw JT throw, or throwing up, throwing around, throwing up is different on the sidelines. I'm like, oh, is, is what's going on here? And you know, it was, it was mm-hmm. nothing. Um, so uh, Stetson's Stetson's story though is remarkable. I mean, a Georgia guy who is on a team loaded with 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 with, with blue chips and five stars and four stars and top hundred guys and what have you, the hero of the game or one of the heroes of the game, or really. This isn't a stretch. Really, the legend of the game is this former walk-on, a Georgia guy who knows the program, loves the program, and bet on himself, and he delivered. I, I, I can't remember if you brought it up or, or I brought it up or, or whatever on, on the show last week. I, I wondered if he could make a national championship winning throw. If, he, if, if the game came down to it, could he mm-hmm. make the throw that wins a national championship, the way Deshaun Watson did to Hunter Renfro on Orange Crush right. in Tampa? And all the other great plays over over the years. He makes that play. Vince Young in the Rose Bowl. Jameis Winston in the Rose Bowl. And lo and behold, he did. That the forty yard touchdown pass to Mitchell in the right, you know, back corner of the end zone. That was the one right in front. That was a great catch, no question. But that was a great, great national championship winning throw. And I remember thinking right then, okay, we talked about this on the show. I didn't know if he could do it. Stetson Bennett, congratulations. You just did it. I I, I was a doubter, not anymore. Yeah, no, he he came up at the biggest moments, and and even before that, Matt, and and you can almost see it ingrained in his head. And he said, you know, even after the fumble, I wasn't going to let that play beat us. But before that, he wasn't going to make a play that beat them. And what I mean by, if you look at the SEC title games, look, they got Alabama got some pressure. Um, you know, they they won cleanly off the line of scrimmage a few times. They chased him out of the pocket, and he'd still try to force a throw. I didn't count, yep. but there were a number of times when Stetson Bennett got outside the pocket and said, you know what, 
we're going to punt. I'm throwing this ball over the sidelines. I am not going to try to force one in here uh, in, into coverage and get it picked off. You could see the wheels in his head spinning saying, you know, I'm going to manage this game and I'm going to give us a chance to win in the fourth quarter instead of making a play that cost us early. And, and I thought that was huge maturity for him. Absolutely. I mean, two touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. That it, yeah. If, if you would have told me going in that's going to be Stetson's numbers, you would take that. You would absolutely take that, and you would think with that, George is going to have a chance to win because that defense is. I mean, that defense is is, is loaded. Uh, it's you know I yeah. didn't see like the 01 Miami or, or or some of the the all time greats, but I can tell you that defense is as good as I've seen, and mm-hmm. with the way they played for most of the season. I think it is going to be remembered as a transcendent, again, a legend, given what Georgia went through, legendary is not too strong of a word here. And, and I think it's going to be a legendary defense, certainly in SEC history and probably college football history with all the dudes, just all the dudes on it where, you know, Jordan Davis is this monster and, you know, might have been the third or fourth best defensive player on his team last night, or maybe even worse, lower than that. Yeah, no, they... They were loaded, especially on defense. I wanted to ask you about Nick Saban. Um, you know, I mean, he doesn't need, you know, any more pelts, right? I mean, he's won you know, more national championships than Bear Bryant. I mean, he's won seven overall. Um, and he's in this game, it seems like, every year. You can't expect him to win it every year, although it, it seems like he does. Um, but after the game, a couple of things struck me. One, and I know, you know, Kirby Smart is a – you know, worked on his staff and as a colleague of his and former former coach and all that stuff. And so they have a relationship. I thought it was warm uh, between the two of them after the game. Nick genuinely seemed, although I'm sure he was disappointed for himself and his kids, he seemed generally happy for Kirby. And I thought that was neat. And then the other thing was before they dismissed Bryce Young and the other uh, player that they had on the podium, Saban taking the time um, to say, wait a minute, before these guys leave, you know this 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 game, this singular game, does not define their careers. Their cha- you know none of that. Uh, these guys, and he gave them plenty of, of of accolades for what they had accomplished there at Alabama that year in winning the SEC and other things. Are we seeing a softer, uh, more introspective Nick Saban at times? Well, let's take the first part first. Saban yeah. said afterward, I, I thought he was graceful in defeat. Um, yeah. And not every coach is, especially after one like that. And yeah. what what he's what he said one of the things he said is that basically if I ha- I don't want to lose one, but if I do, I'm glad you know I would want to lose it to one of my former guys who represented yeah. us, you know, did did a good job with us when we had him, and now has done great things elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's genuine. I mean, Kirby yeah. is as close to Saban as there is, uh, just in the, their mannerisms, the way they talk, the way they do things. So I think that he, he probably was genuinely happy. Uh, well, obviously still being disappointed. You know, if I got to lose to somebody, I'm glad it's you. Um, in terms of the kind of protective uh, of the other guys, I think that's kind of that's kind of Saban, where he tries to put things in perspective, and it's doesn't he deflects praise and takes the criticism. And he did that a couple different times, I thought, during his post game news conference, where he's kind of. Making shielding the players, which is something that everybody, you know, in in the program and parents and recruits and all that stuff see and acknowledge. Um, well, when something's going right, it's not about me; it's about the players who did really well. 
And that was an example of that. And I also think some of it, Saban was definitely, definitely seemed looser in my eyes um, before the game and leading up to it than he had in the past. And I wonder if some of it's almost like, I don't want to say playing with house money, but again, this, this was not in an all-time great Alabama team. And for him to get to where they got and to have a chance with three and a half minutes left to win a national title or take it to overtime, I guess, that is a very, very good coaching job. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to call it the best of his career with what he's done, but it was still a very impressive job. And he got, I'd say he squeezed just about everything he could out of it. And I think maybe there was a little bit of that in there as well. You know, uh, one final thing about Kirby Smart. I mean, I, I, it, this is a small club, right? But when you look at the list of coaches who, who won national titles as a coach at a school where they played, you know, I, I had totally forgotten Kirby Smart played at Georgia, but, hey, there he was at safety. Um, but whether it was, you know, Bear Bryant, Steve Spurrier, Philip Fulmer at Tennessee. Phil Fulmer. That's, yeah, that, that, that's got to be a special thing, right? Because, I mean, it means so much to those guys. No question. And he's a Georgia guy, too. So there's an extra layer to that where yeah. there's, you know, Georgia's the flagship school. I mean, apologies to Georgia Tech, I suppose, but they are the school in Georgia. And yeah. that adds an extra layer of pressure and everything to it. And, and what, you know, it's pressure when things are up in the air. And it's pride when it works out the way you want it to, the way it did. And, I mean, shoot, Let's not forget there are so few school or few coaches, who, active coaches who have national titles. Period, because Saban kind of keeps winning almost all of them. I mean, off the top of my head, it's it's Dabo, Mac Brown, Jimbo, Saban, and Kirby. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. Um, so it is a very small list to begin with, and for him to do it that way was, uh, you know, a, a fantastic, fantastic accomplishment for him in the program. Finally, Matt, what will you remember about this college football season? I will remember a little bit more normalcy. Um, I will definitely remember that because of how weird 2020 was. I'll remember the swamp against Alabama in week three, about Mm -hmm. as loud as I've ever heard it, and certainly Mm -hmm. one of the most, one of the best environments I've experienced. Um, Obviously, I'll remember Mullen's exit and how weird that all was. Um, sorry to keep harping on negatives, but Florida State losing to Jacksonville State is one that I'm not going to yeah. forget. Um, yeah. Mackenzie Milton and, and what he did in Notre Dame in the opener was a, you know, that's one I will I will tell my grandkids about probably. And, and then the other thing, this this is a thousand percent personal, so forgive me. I mean, right? Like, um, I, I was born in Kokomo. As, as we sit here right now, I'm driving to say hey, hey to my mom in, uh, in Columbus, about halfway between Indianapolis and Louisville on my way to the airport. Um, so to see a national title game in the state I grew up in, in, in a city that in Indianapolis that means a lot to me, that was a special thing. I mean, this was my sixth national title. I, 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 I pinch myself when I say that, because not literally because I'm driving, that's unsafe. Um so I've been insanely fortunate and blessed to do the things that I've been able to do. And the title game in Tampa was awesome, just because that, that, that's, that's home. But this is home in a different way. And to see the season in the way it did, 
in a state, in, you know, in a, in a stadium, in a city, in a state that was home to me for the first 22 years of my life, for my career to kind of take me here was a very cool personal experience that was, it, it was just something that's very special. And that, that's one I'm going to hold dear for a long, long time, Rick. Well said. That's a fantastic thing. And, and, and listen, uh, nobody loves college football more than you do. You've done such a fantastic job this year. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure and an honor uh, to have you every week. Just had a lot of fun throughout the college football season. I know hopefully you'll get a little bit of downtime. We never get much downtime around here at the Tampa Bay Times. But uh, thanks so much through, for all the, all the insights and, and the time that you've given us on the podcast. I know our listeners really appreciate it, and uh, we do too. So thanks, and safe travels, Matt. Enjoy it. Sure, sure. thank you. Uh, signing day is, what, three weeks from Wednesday? <laughs> yeah okay yeah we'll never, be talking never, about that as well yeah yeah never never, never Thanks, guys. no we'll take care see you all right we'll be uh back out at one buck place of course to uh talk to the team and uh see what their preparations are for the philadelphia eagles they hope to get shaq barrett jpp maybe levante david certainly uh leonard fournette we'll see about ronald jones and some of the others as well. And then uh, let's do a mailbag segment. Uh, get your questions ready. You can do that by sending them to us on Twitter um, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. My thanks again to Matt Baker for Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.